the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Bob Bergman here broadcasting from my law office in San Jose on Saratoga Avenue across from the El Paseo de Saratoga Shopping Center. In fact, I can look out my window right now and see the shopping center, which uh, those of you who are South Bay residents for a long time may remember that location as, uh, I think it was actually uh, Town and Country Village at one point uh, at El Paseo. I remember going there and going to the fountains and, and the stores there, and there's a great ice cream shop there as well. Uh, I'm a little bit sad this afternoon, and uh, I'm experiencing a little bit of... Uh, of uh, daddy sadness right now. Uh, my little girls, uh, if I, if you may have heard before, I do have uh, twin daughters who are 10 years old. They're in fifth grade right now. And they're getting ready to go away for the weekend to a Girl Scout camporee up in Marin County. And uh, I didn't think it would affect me so badly. I was a Boy Scout, and I remember going away to... Uh, to Camperees in the summertime and and a 50-mile hike through the Sierra Nevadas when I was in high school and even camping in the snow at Camp High Sierra. Those of you who, uh, which is still there, by the way, those of you who are Boy Scouts here in the Bay Area, you may remember Camp High Sierra and camping up there in snow country. But I didn't realize how hard I was going to take my daughters going away for a short time and and actually having time at home and having them not be around. Um, I guess this is a little bit of a taste of what it's going to be like in the future when they do eventually move out and move out into their adult lives and go out and live on their own. And uh, so I'm experiencing a little bit of empty nest syndrome right now as a dad, even though they're only going to be gone for maybe, I don't know, 36 hours or something like that. Still, it's a little bit rough on this, Dad. Uh, um, a few months ago, I went away to Hershey, Pennsylvania for a, a three-day training conference, and I was gone for five days from home. But at least my girls were with their mother during that time. I miss them like heck. But uh, this is them going away for the first time, and it's a little exciting. It's a little scary. And uh, I'm trying not to to panic or freak out. Those of you who are parents out there, uh, you remember, may remember the first time that 
one of your children went away for an extended weekend or even for an overnight sleepover and how you felt about it. Well, that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Um, anyway, I want to let you all know that um, I'm having more people coming to my seminars now that have heard about the seminars on the show. So <clears throat> I thought I'd let you all know what's coming up. I have my next Living Trust seminar will be next uh, Saturday morning <clears throat> at uh, starting at 9 a.m. That's the 22nd of September. And I have two more coming up in October. You can get details at eventbrite.com. If you go there and type in the Living Trust Seminar, you'll find the information there. Or you can turn around and you can go to my website at lawbob.com. And there you'll also be able to find out when my seminars are coming up. If you want to call and talk today, it's 800-516-1220. I'll be happy to talk with you if you want to call in. You can also email me at radio at lawbob.com. That's R-A-D-I-O at lawbob.com. With any questions you might want to have me handle today or in the future, or if you'd like to request a copy of my free California Consumer Guide to Wills, Living Trusts, and Estate Planning. Be happy to send one out to you. I think um, it would be a great thing if more people would get that, get a hold of that and read it because it answers a lot of questions for people about estate planning and conservatorship and probate and also talks about the kinds of things I do as an attorney. So today I thought since many of you may be joining for the first time or if you only joined in the last maybe a couple months or so, you don't necessarily know very much about me and who is this Bob Bergman guy and why does he think that he can talk to me and explain things about estate planning. Well, I thought I'd spend at least a couple of segments a day talking a little bit about my background so you know who's actually talking to you through the microphone today. Um, I am now a 50-year resident of the San Francisco Bay Area. That became official the day before my 63rd birthday, which was just back in August, about three weeks ago. And uh, I arrived here in 1968 with my dad. Uh, he had retired from the Air Force, and we had traveled across country, dropped my mother off in Denver, Colorado, to stay with relatives there. Then he and I struck out over the Rocky Mountains in uh, the little uh, Triumph coop that we had, that we had uh, owned in Virginia, where we had come from, and arrived here, and that was just over 50 years ago in the valley. Uh, I went to um, junior high here in the valley in Sunnyvale at the old Ortega Junior High, went on to St. Francis High School, spent a year at Cal Berkeley, came back, finished up at De Anza College, got my AA there, then transferred to San Jose State University where I got my degree in social science with a minor in African studies, which is still a passion of mine today. Then went on to Santa Clara Law School and graduated from Santa Clara Law School in 1980. I took the bar at that time, passed it the first time, and started practicing law in early 1981. Now, I've been actively practicing in the legal profession since 1981, with the exception of about two and a half years, where I took time off from the practice of law and went to work for a major commercial bank 
doing business development for their institutional trust department. I was actually working at that bank when the Twin Towers were hit, um, and uh, that's 9-11. So 9-11-2001, I was working at the bank, and I can remember driving into work and hearing the first reports coming over the radio, because I always listen to the radio when I'm driving, and I could not believe what I was hearing. When I got there, I found that everybody in my department was gathered around the televisions that were normally tuned in to the financial markets because we dealt with financial matters, and we were all watching the live coverage from New York City as things unfolded. Uh, people still had to get their work done, and uh, but it was a very hard day, and I know many of you remember where you were on that day. I know I will never forget that, and I try to explain to my young children just what happened all those years ago and how it impacted all of us. So again, uh, the number today is 800-516-1220 if you want to give my show a call and ask me a question on the air or talk on the air. I'm going to be talking uh, at least another segment, maybe a couple more segments, about the types of things I do in my law practice so you can get a better idea of just what an estate planning attorney such as myself actually does. Then towards the end of the show, I'll be circling back around and talking about questions that have arisen around the state from people and uh, answering, which has kind of been my practice over the last several weeks. And that's how I'll finish up the show today. So um, visit my website if you want to register for one of my seminars. Call 800-516-1220 if you want to talk today. Radiobob.com if you'd like a copy of my consumer guide. And when we come back after the break, I'll talk a little bit more about what I do as an estate planning attorney and see if it's something that might be beneficial to you, a family member, or another loved one. So after the break, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you then. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So before the break, I thought I would, uh, I told you that I'm going to be talking a bit about my practice and the kinds of things I do in my practice and just what estate planning attorneys do. Now, let me start first by saying that I'm not a, a living trust lawyer. What I mean by that is I don't sell trust documents. I don't sell legal documents. What I do is I do planning, comprehensive planning, and the result of the plans that I design working with my clients is legal documents that are prepared that reflect the planning that's done. Uh, you can go into a service station, and many of them you could buy a tire for your car, but that's not the same thing as going to a tire dealer who can do an analysis of your vehicle, what types of uses you want to have for your vehicle, what types of tires might be best suited for those uses, and then also the different options within tires to actually use on your vehicle. 
So a tire dealer is actually helping you design tires to use for your vehicle for the specific reason that you need those tires. Um, I drive a, a minivan for my kids. I'm a soccer dad. And I know that I don't need tires on that minivan that permit me to climb up a 30% grade and go up over mountains and off-road. That's not what the vehicle is designed for. I don't need tires that do that. Uh, I have an old 4Runner that uh, has the capability of doing that. And I could put tires on there that are for off-road use, but I never did because, I, again, I never intended to drive it off-road. Now, as an attorney, because I do estate planning, that means that I spend more time with my clients than many attorneys maybe that sell trust as part of their practice. Uh, typically, I will have a consultation with uh, a new prospective client or clients. We'll talk. We'll get to know each other. I'll find out what some of their concerns are, maybe not all of them, but uncover the reason why they've come to see me, maybe the several reasons. It could have been uh, triggered because of the death of a relative. It could be because of um, a near-death experience one or both of them had. It could be because they now have a new child or two and they realize, gosh, we have nothing in place to say what happens to our kids if something happens to us. I think that's a really important thing. Who's going to raise your children? When are they going to get their inheritance? Is someone going to protect it for them? Are they going to provide protection for that inheritance for their entire lifetime? Which is a type of uh, planning that I pretty much specialize in in my practice. And what I find is that the planning process that I follow is more involved than many people want to get involved in. I mean, I have a consultation. I have a design meeting where you actually have homework that you've completed as much as possible at home, worksheets asking a bunch of questions, and sometimes a bunch of really hard questions, questions dealing about your medical care and health care and what someone can or can't do in reference to that, questions about who's going to raise your children, Who's going to be in charge of their inheritance if they're not old enough yet? Uh, are you worried about a child who's special needs or a child who may be not special needs but does have issues, is maybe an addict of some kind or in a financially abusive relationship or uh, potentially at risk of loss because they're engaged in a profession where they can be sued for malpractice or, um, or any number of things like that? The planning process to do a well-done, comprehensive estate plan does not involve answering 20 questions in a half an hour when you're being interviewed. It's not a fill-in-the-blank kind of thing. It really is a comprehensive and often intensive approach to determining just what a family needs in estate planning to protect them. Now, most of the clients that come to me who I end up doing estate planning for, they do one of two different levels of what I call foundational trust planning. They either do what I call my standard trust planning or they do what I call my simplified trust planning. Now, notice I said simplified, not simple or simplistic. 
because even my simplified trust plan is very sophisticated and much more involved than the typical trust that you might buy out there in the open market, either from some online website or from some local attorney that sells trusts. My simplified estate plan basically would say everything passes from one spouse to the next spouse outright. No tax planning of any kind. No asset protection planning of any kind. And then on the death of the surviving spouse or on the death of the individual, if it's an individual who's unmarried, the property is passed directly on to that person's heirs, typically children. If they're underage, then maybe it's held in trust for those children until they reach some magic age that's considered to be old enough to receive their inheritance, and then the inheritance is turned over to them. That is the simplified approach. It avoids conservatorship while you're alive, which is a court-appointed guardianship for an adult. It also avoids probate at death because property is owned by the trust, and it goes around the probate process to be passed on to your heirs. I kind of describe a trust as being like in the high-occupancy vehicle lane on a freeway at rush hour. Everybody going through probate, they're in the regular lanes of traffic, creeping along at 5, if they're lucky, 10 miles an hour. In the HOV lane, though, what's happening is you're going by at 35, 45, or maybe even at the limit, And that's actually what happens with a trust. You can move through the administration process much more quickly with a trust than going through the probate process. Now, the other type of planning I do is I I call my standard planning. The standard trust planning involves planning perhaps for asset protection for the inheritance for your spouse or for your partner if you're in an unmarried couple relationship or a registered domestic partnership. And then it provides to pass property on in an asset-protected fashion for your ultimate heirs, typically your children or others, and typically in lifetime trusts that protect those children's heirs, excuse me, their uh, inheritance from being lost to a divorcing spouse, to a creditor, to a malpractice claim, uh, to Uh, any number of things that could cause an inheritance to be lost. We also focus on income tax capital gains planning and also real property tax planning, preserving, when all possible, the uh, property tax assessment so it's not revalued when a parent passes away. Those are two types of foundational planning. When we come back after the break, For the third segment, I'll talk about other types of planning that I do as an estate planning attorney, which may be of interest to you or someone you know. So uh, if you want to call 800-516-1220, otherwise, I'll be coming back after the break. We have a few minutes commercial break. Until then, this is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. 
Before the break, uh, I was talking about the types of living trust planning that I do in my practice, my standard and my simplified living trust plans. But there's other things I do as well. For those of us who have minor children, such as I do, um, I find that there's a lot of concern about who would be the guardians to actually raise our children if something happened to us. Uh, I find that uh, here in the Santa Clara Valley, and I guess in the Bay Area generally, when you stop and think about it, there are a lot of people who are here from some other part of the United States or some other part of the world, and they have young children, but they don't have any local family that could step in and immediately take charge of those children and and maybe also apply to the court if necessary to be the guardians for those children because the family members are in another state or, worse, they're in another country. So because of this, I have developed an, an approach in my law practice that I call the Children's Legacy Plan. And the Children's Legacy Plan is a series of legal documents specially crafted to deal with the short-term and longer-term care needs for minor children. Now, one of the things that I'm concerned about as a parent is that if something happens to me and my wife, what may end up happening in the absence of some planning is that my daughters could end up taken into the foster care system by Child Protective Services. Now, that means the county would find a place for my children to sleep that night. And one of the realities of Child Protective Services is that there's a lot of children there that are there because something's happened to a parent. Maybe the parent has just been arrested and is in jail. Maybe the parent's going to jail and there's no one to care for them. Or maybe the parent has become incapacitated or has died and now the child has no one to care for them. In the Child Protective Service um, system throughout the state, a child could end up being placed anywhere in the state that has an available bed for the child to sleep in. That means the child could be taken to another county, could be taken hundreds of miles away if that's in fact a place where the child could be placed. Now to avoid all that, one of the things the legacy plan does is that it has a document called the Designation of Temporary Caretakers. And what this does is identify ahead of time the adults that you know that you have personally vetted and you personally trust to temporarily take care of your children if something happened to you. Children, where'd that come from? Children, if something I'm sorry. Sometimes words come out in a little bit strange way. I know that happens to all of us. Um, So people that you know ahead of time would be safe to temporarily take care of your children. Uh, And this is a document that's intended to be presented to the authorities if something happens to you so that hopefully they will then leave those children with those people you've indicated are safe. Then there's a nomination of guardians, which is a document where you let the court know in writing who you would want to be the person or persons raising your children. Now, as parents, all we can do is advise the court who we want, 
we don't actually get to make the final choice. The appointment of a guardian is in the hands of the judge handling that particular case. So just so you know, we nominate the court appoints. Um, Much like we nominate someone to run for a political office, the people appoint by voting for them. And that's kind of what happens in a guardianship. A third document is a confidential exclusion of guardians. And I have a number of my, um, my clients that have members of their family that they would never want to be involved as uh, guardians for their children. So they want to know, well, how do we let the court know that these people are not appropriate? I know they're going to come forward. I want them stopped because I don't trust them for whatever reason. Well, the confidential exclusion of guardians is designed to identify those people exactly why you would not want them. And it's confidential because it's not meant to be just thrown around if you become incapacitated or die. It's meant to be first given to the person that you want to exclude to let them know, look, we don't want you. If they insist on going forward, then it's given to the court and the court might very well make it part of the public record of the guardianship. And I don't know about you, but I think a lot of people would not want to actually have the reason why they're excluded made part of the public record. Then there's a medical power of attorney for the children so that you have someone who can make medical and health care decisions for them if you can't, even on on a temporary basis because you're away, for example, or because you've been injured or you've died and there's no guardian in place yet. Now, this type of approach is very important, especially for those who actually have family members in other countries they would want to raise their children because family members in other countries will have to go through a number of procedural steps in order to come here and actually take custody of children that are here in the United States. Uh, That could take several weeks or months. Because of that, I often recommend people consider asking local people that they know to at least temporarily be the guardians for their children. At least in such time as the uh, family members from out of the country can go through the procedural problems that would be faced and then actually um, qualify to take over um, for the children. So the next thing is many people have retirement plans, IRAs, 401k plans, all these things that we call qualified retirement plans or QRPs. Um, The thing about qualified retirement plans is they're a special type of asset when someone dies. Uh, They get special tax treatment. They also get special treatment for how they can be passed on. It's different when there's a surviving spouse than when there's a surviving someone else, like a child or a grandchild or other family member or even a friend or a life partner. Because of this and because... Those types of plans after someone dies can easily be subject to creditors' claims, which can not only cause the loss of the plan, but could also cause um, immediate taxation because the plan is lost to a creditor and now there's taxes owing. There's a special type of planning that I do for those that that um, consider that it might be valuable. 
and that is what I call the Retirement Plan Trust. This is a special type of trust that becomes the beneficiary of somebody's retirement plan, and then in turn the trust itself has the ultimate beneficiaries that you want to receive the benefit of that retirement plan. Putting this retirement plan trust in place provides a layer of asset protection for that retirement plan, which has now become what's called an inherited IRA. And uh, I find that uh, it's useful to consider if someone has at least $150,000 in retirement plan monies and each individual's share that they're planning on leaving is at least $50,000, I will tell you that if you have a beneficiary that you want to benefit who is special needs or who is um, is disabled in some way, maybe because they're a, they have an addiction problem or a bad marriage or things like that, then any amount of qualified retirement plan should consider having something like a retirement plan trust in place. Now, another thing that I do, which can be done for Medi-Cal planning, which is long-term care planning, is a special type of asset protection trust that can be created either for Medi-Cal planning or just for asset protection planning itself. Uh, You don't have to go to Nevada or offshore to do asset protection planning here. I'm not going to get into an extended discussion about just what the nature of that planning is. If it's something that uh, you might be interested in, you can always go to lawbob.com and book a free consultation through my website there. It'll be a book-free estate planning consultation, and I'd be happy to have you come in and talk about that. It's something that could be very useful for for doctors, for lawyers, uh, maybe even for property owners, anyone that has substantial assets and they're concerned about law, losing them in lawsuits or things like that. So that's something else that I do that could be talked about from an estate planning context. Now, we're coming up on, on a break here and then the last segment of the show. So with the last segment of the show, I'm going to finish up talking about the types of things I do as an estate planning attorney and then field some of the issues that I have seen uh, come into my inbox from around the state, people facing real issues that are impacting them and their families' lives. So after the break, I'll be coming back, wrapping up a little bit about what I do as an attorney and then going on with some of these more issues, questions, and comments. So if you want to give me a call, 800-516-1220, radio at lawbob.com. But until after the break, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll get back to you then. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back for the final segment of the show today. 
Um, there's a couple more things I do as an estate planning attorney. Uh, I do probate administration for those people who pass away and did not do a trust ahead of time. And I do trust administration for those people who had a trust and they need now to have it administered after death to make sure that their wishes are carried out according to what the trust said. Um, right now, I do both of those on an hourly basis. In the case of probate, that actually saves a lot of money for people because, at least for now, I don't charge the statutory fees that attorneys are permitted to charge. Uh, now, probate administration, I will only handle in Santa Clara County. I don't go to adjacent counties. It's too far to travel. Uh, trust administration could be handled for anybody who died anywhere with a California trust. So it doesn't even have to be someone who died in Santa Clara County. They could have passed away in another county. Uh, but the person who's handling things, the successor trustee, is uh, here in the Bay Area. They could still use me to help them out with that. So that's not a not a problem there. So moving on uh, to some questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, here is one coming out of Imperial Beach, California. Uh, says, uh, my wife's the sole beneficiary of her mother's home. Uh, no siblings or relatives. It's still in probate. I understand that when my wife inherits her mother's real estate, her real property tax rate stays the same. Um now, that's true. That's called the parent-to-child exclusion. So when she receives the property from the probate, it says we want to put it in both our names as joint tenants with right of survivorship to avoid probate again. It's because the, my wife has stage four cancer. Will the tax rate once again stay the same when it passes to me? Well, the answer is yes, because uh, the wife can add the husband to the title of the property she inherited and... Uh, and, and basically, he will be able to keep the same property tax because there is an interspousal transfer exclusion from reassessment of the property tax as well. But in this case, I would not recommend joint tenants with right of survivorship. I would recommend community property with right of survivorship. And if they have enough time to do it, maybe to create a joint trust and put the property in there and characterize it as community property owned by the couple. Uh, that would also have the husband receive a new um, basis in the property at whatever point his wife passes away. The wife received a new cost basis for income tax purposes based on the date of death value of the property when her mother died. I don't know how long ago the probate started. It could have been a couple of years ago, but in any event, being able to turn around and uh, have it revalued again for income tax purposes is something not to be ignored. <clears throat> now, here's a question. Can a person with power of attorney sign a trust and have it be valid provided the power of attorney document grants that authority? So apparently the validity of trust is being questioned because the attorney, in fact, that's the agent named under the power of attorney, signed for the grantor and had notarized the trust document. Well, if the agent's signature was notarized and the trust document says, uh, the power of attorney document rather says, I can set up a trust, 
then um, that is permissible. But you have to look very carefully at exactly what the authority is. Oftentimes, an agent under a power of attorney may have the authority to create a trust, but um, it may not be a trust that include that can include the agent as a beneficiary. It may be that it's required to pay the trust assets to the person's estate. Um, it it probably cannot be something that would be wildly different from what would happen if the person were to die intestate, meaning that whoever would inherit that way probably need to be the same people in that trust. So the short answer is it can be done, and that's not really a problem, but you have to look very carefully at what the trust document actually permits. Okay, here uh, says, uh, I had a trust and a will with my wife who passed away. She has investments, and they're asking for letters testamentary. Are they needed? Okay, well, the short answer is, it sounds like there was assets in the wife's name only, not in the trust name. If it's in the trust, letters testamentary are absolutely not needed. Those are issued by the probate court when you're having a probate. Um, what this person might be able to do, depending on how the trust was drafted, whether these assets were actually listed as intended to be assets, and also where they're located, if there's a pour over will, uh, they might be able to go to court and just have them declared to be part of the trust rather than have to actually initiate a probate to handle things. So we're coming up on the end of the show today. I hope you learned a little bit more about who I am as a person and an estate planning attorney and what I do. When I sign off today, I'm going to be rushing over to my kid's school so I can give them a big hug goodbye as they head off to their Girl Scout camporee. Um, like I said at the top of the show, I'm really going to miss them. I've got a little empty nest syndrome working right now, but you know what? That's okay. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Until next week, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Uh, I have a seminar next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, and hope you can see there and come there. This is Bob Bergman. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.